Welcome to the Successful Male Podcast. My name is Ron Mahotra. I'm a wealth, success, mindset, and leadership coach and the founder of the Successful Male Movement. In the Successful Male Podcast, we bring inspiring achievers who will help you unlock your inner game changer that wants to play big. The Successful Male Podcast is a show where we highlight the accomplishments of men who are doing amazing things with their life. The show where we share the stories, ideas, and philosophies of highly successful men who went after their goals with courage. The show where we highlight those men who use their highest vision to bring value to others. And the show that seeks not only to motivate and inspire, but transform, so you too can think big, live bigger, and lead with your highest vision. Thanks for spending some time with me today. I hope you find this episode inspirational. Welcome to the Successful Male Podcast. This is your host, Ron Malhotra. Every time I you know, talk about success, I make it a point to let people know that, that we at the Successful Male are redefining success. And we're redefining success in the way of getting role models who are living their life's purpose, maximizing their potential, and using their potential to make a difference to other people. We also get experts from time to time who have the ability to be able to add value to our community. Today, I've got an amazing guest, someone that I've been quite fascinated with, and I've been watching for a while. And just, you know, for me, the fact that that he is just doing some incredible things out there makes him a tremendous role model. But in addition to that, it's the stuff that he talks about. It's the research that he has done into something that you know, right now, if you look at some of the thing, things that are happening with men in general in regards to the, uh, the rise in anxiety or depression, you know, there is so much in, in the medical field that is based around fixing the, 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 the symptoms rather than fixing the problem. And Toph Evans uh, is a, a resilience thought leader. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's amazing that, you know, there's, if you look at our lifetime, there's going to be times in our life where we're going to face a crisis or we're going to face some sort of recession or death in the family, a bad business deal, or even a life-threatening situation. How do you deal with these high stressful moments? And this is where Tov's expertise in guiding people uh, mentally out of these, uh, these adverse, adverse, adversity-based situations through this thing called practical resilience is, is a phenomenal topic and a, and a topic of intrigue for myself. So I'd like to um, welcome Tov. Tov, welcome to the Successful Mail podcast. Thank you for having me, Ron. I appreciate that, man. I know you've been quite active in, in this space now since you launched your recent book. Um, you've actually been talking about practical resilience. So let's just talk about the fact that, you know, how did you get started in this space? Why, do you, why are you advocating this need for people to have mental resilience? Uh, yeah, sure. So you truly understand the value of something when it's taken away from you. And for me, I was at a point in my life years and years ago where um, the one thing I was heavily lacking was resilience. And like they say, they say, don't focus on your weaknesses. But for me, I saw this, it was a weakness of mine, but for me, I realized to have resilience, you could probably succeed because when it comes back to evolutionary psychology and I'm talking about succeeding in life, um, you just need to know how to adapt and bounce back and bouncing back is resilience and adapting is just knowing how to pivot. And for me, I just focused, I really focused on myself to the point 
where it was more fulfilling. I had, I'd, I'd done everything I could for myself um, in building my resilience that it was more fulfilling to serve for other people. And that was where I came up with practical resilience. So was it, uh, did you experience a personal adversity or challenge or a setback that instigated you to look into this and specialize in this? Yeah, there was, there was actually a few things. It, it kind of, I was bottling up so much of my emotions. I um, became like this tidal wave of emotion or um, a volcano. You could say it was just ready to erupt, just this active volcano. And one thing led to another and to another and to another. And I, I should have embraced the adversity back then, but instead I looked at it like it was the worst thing in the world. Now it usually does feel like the worst thing in the world, but I didn't realize I was the only person in life that went through stress. It was this egocentric paradigm and it wasn't until um, I needed to do something about it. Right. Cause my mental health, the state of my mental health and my physical health it affected everything around me and it changed me who I was as a person. And I was just, I, I became a jerk. I became, um, I just masked who I was as a person. I, it was a totally different person and I wasn't happy with who I was. So I would, um, I would do a lot of, I would destroy my body like with drugs and alcohol as well because I wasn't happy who I was as a person. And I'll, I'll admit to that and even a bit of harm as well. And it, it was, it was a very lonely time in my life, Ron. It was, now I'm not talking about being single. I'm talking about like, I felt so alone from the world. There was a disconnect somewhere because we are wired for connection. Like the one thing I love is being around people. And when you can be around kindred spirits like yourself, um, it's one of the best feelings in the world, no matter what age you are, because you just feel there's an alignment. And for me, I lost that connection with the world and everyone around me. And because I let my mind take over, it's when I look at the, um, adversities that I went through back then I look at it now and I go is that what I complained about and nowadays I I put myself through adversity on purpose now so when I come across those when I come across anything that's life's adversity that I'm able to have thicker skin because um, I've now become more accustomed to it because I'm more um, hardwiring myself to embrace grit do you think it makes do you think men suffer more um, compared to women, especially given that um, so many of us are not really good at expressing our emotions and we kind of keep it to ourselves and generally try and tough it out and act macho instead of dealing with it? Or do you think that this particular issue of uh, not being able to deal with adversity is, of course, I mean, I know that women would be suffering as well, but it just appears to me that men uh, particularly bad in handling this, but what's your view on that? Yeah, I think, um, I think women are definitely stronger. And now this is just my opinion um, because we let testosterone take over. If you think about all the wars that have been in threat history, they're usually caused by angry, resentful men. And it's because they don't know how to control the testosterone or the ego takes over, right? If you put a bunch of women together at, at breakfast, uh, they're probably just going to vent out. And I'm not talking about complaining. They're just going to let everything out just naturally. They're just, just naturally innately good at it. Guys, on the other hand, might not do that. Now, some guys, if like some of my closest friends, I can actually do that, but not every guy will do that. So when you start to be open, um, now there's, there seems to be like a negative connotation around the word vulnerability, right? Um, because it means letting your guard down and humans thrive off security. 
So if you, if we kind of approach the situation, like we're sharing what's on our mind, it means we're giving in a way that you can change in the entire paradigm. And I think, um, my experiences for myself, even that I'm not the manliest dude out there, but my testosterone t- took over for me and it was, it became very ego driven at the point. And, um, because I was, I wasn't happy with who I was as a person, I would, mirror that to other everyone around me so like if you hate yourself you usually hate everyone else if you love yourself you usually love everyone that's usually a general rule of thumb um and they're tired. uh a lot of the depression anxiety even crying um it's a it's almost like a sign of weakness so that ends up bottling up and you start to cause uh things in the mind that are going to like bring in termites so it's a matter of kind of opening everything sometimes all what people need is just to let it out and it's not just guys it's also females too sometimes it's just about letting everything out and just and what it comes back down to is attentive listening when you're trying to be there for that person there's like don't judge and it always helps when you go kind of first you become that catalyst because now they don't feel alone because when we go through adversity we think the world is against us when the world seems totally fine it's kind of like a bit of an oxymoron everything is not but it is and yeah, so that's, that's why I, that's, that's my thoughts on that. And it's an interesting statement you made before. Um, you said, I'm not the most manly man. And it got me thinking, what does that even mean? What is a manly man? Um, yeah. because, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, are we, we, we know that we, there's a, a lot of talk around the toxic masculinity, which implies that in order for you to be manly, uh, you need to, uh, be physically strong. Uh, but also um, somebody that is maybe too expressive. You said that there might be a negative connotation. I also think that sometimes there's this misguided belief that by being expressive, by being emotionally connected with other people, that Mm. that somehow is a feminine quality and that that real men should not embrace that quality. Um, Do you think that that sort of contributes to these behaviors as well, where men feel that it's better to keep things to themselves or... Oh, totally. uh, Yeah. Um, Because... It, it, you know what's funny like in like a lot of european countries like dancing is considered like a male thing and i think that's masculine as hell like i think it's like a sign of strength if you can cry because those tears magnify into so much more um for example um around this time last year i did an event for a charity a friend and i we carried like um it was a 100k walk and we had to carry 25 kilograms or 25 liters um, of water on our shoulders it was like a bamboo sh- like bamboo shoot and then there was two jerry cans kind of um hanging on the side and within like six hours at 25 kilos felt like 250 kilos it's just this that's just an arbitrary number i'm just 10xing it but it it magnified so much more but profoundly it's still only 25 kilos and it happens to like any of the chatter in our mind when it just gets louder and louder those those whispers become yells and they haven't really changed. It's just because they're manifesting into something more than they are. And when I was talking about the manly men thing, um, for me, like I used to, because of the whole stigma thing, I thought a man was a guy that can grow a beard and you have to be into cars and that, like, even though I was never really into that stuff. So I thought I was more on the feminine side, but now when I look at it, I I feel like a man is someone completely different. Someone that can serve for their community and serve for their family and, um, is just a, just a decent person as well. So 
it, yeah, it but- changes when when you when you have hit your kind of your own rock bottom you kind of be a little bit more empathetical and your perspective and your outlook on life changes completely and i'm not saying from a spiritual kooky way it may sound cliche um because it's true like when we when we do hit our rock bottoms we start to we don't want anyone to go through the same pain what we've gone through so you you're more there of service and more of help that's why it's a blessing Mm. And the thing is, it's interesting. When I look at everything that you're doing and everything that you represent, I mean, that's masculine, mind control, resilience, some of the stuff that you're doing, which is pushing your body to the limits. Yeah, all of that. I mean, if that and that's what we need to understand. Those are to me that those are very masculine qualities, but not just masculine. I think they're worth striving for in general, if you're a human being. Um, and so it's it's really interesting that uh, what we subconsciously associate as masculine behaviors. But look, there's a lot of talk around the toxic masculinity. I try and stay away from that conversation. For me, it's really about strength of character, uh, you know, strength of and mental resilience is an extremely important part of that. Mm. And also being aligned and congruent with who you are, being on purpose, being inspired. But I love what you said about vulnerability because the thing, the thing about vulnerability is it actually takes courage to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not it's not something that weak people do. Um, it's you have to be strong to be vulnerable. So those that find that vulnerability is a sign of weakness actually have completely misunderstood that the fact that you are putting yourself at risk, the fact that you are there, you are being completely unguarded with your thoughts and feelings means that you're taking a risk, which requires courage essentially. And what I find interesting is that those a lot of those men that who come across as really masculine on the outside typically are full of fear and insecurities, and that's and those are some of the behaviors that I believe I think it's 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 time for those behaviors to just you know it, we, we don't want them to be a part of our culture anymore because they've caused more problems than they're fixed, and so I love the stuff that you're doing there. But you know what? Let's talk a little bit more about what the stuff that you're doing because. We don't really want to just make this about men. The fact is that, yep, we, we are here to help men, but what you do has universal applications. I think kids need to learn this. I, I spend a lot of time with my daughter telling her about mind control and mm. controlling her thoughts and her emotions and not being carried away by it. So you've gone through an interesting journey where you admit to the fact that you, uh, you actually saw adversity as a bad thing. So Tell us how do you shift that perspective? How do you shift that paradigm and and embrace adversity and challenge? Yeah, sure. Um, if we if we backtrack a bit, um, it was a matter of for me, it was a matter of getting my health back on track because they say don't follow everything on the internet, but everything I was reading and everything on the internet was kind of correlating towards one thing, and it was you got to make health like a really high priority. So I made it number one priority. I thought everything else can wait for now. And from there, I, because I took up running and I made it like an outlet and it was my escapism and it also became a therapy for me, but it was also, um, it became so much more, it became like a philosophy, it became everything. And it still is like, I just did a big race over the weekend and the races are getting bigger and the ra- now I'm doing less, but more intensity, or I will do something that means a lot to me. And often I've made it so that you know what, if I can tie it in with a charity, because some of the, if some of the distances I run are stupidly long or just absurd or the style of the race that it catches people's attention. So you can, when you catch someone's attention, then you can hopefully generate funds or awareness for someone that's actually struggling. If there's like a sort of congruency between the event and a, like, for example, when I, this, about, about this time last year, I did this massive race in the Himalayas 
and it's hard to breathe at high altitude. Um, and cystic fibrosis was the cause that I tried to raise funds for. And um, if, they, if you have CF, it's, it's hard to breathe. So that's where the, the alignment was. And for me, it taught me so much. Like it taught me gratitude and it taught me um, simulating adversity or purposeful suffering. Because especially in first world countries, Ron, we, we don't really have enough grip. That's why like in a lot of developing countries, the people that have gone through more hell than anyone else are the most grateful because they know what it's like to have nothing. And for here, like we have everything so easily accessible and we can get anything and everything. And especially on the Gold Coast, we have the best weather and just, it, it's, it's just, it's just paradise literally, but it's kind of ironic that we have such a high mental health um, struggle rate over here. And I feel it's because we're not embracing enough grit because it's no longer habitual. So when we do come across any grit and grit can be, um, perceived as anything right like being stuck in traffic can be seen as adversity but if you learn to put yourself in uncomfortable um, situations or like i call it simulated adversity people some people call it purposeful suffering um, you learn to deal with those mental blocks and then that way you can learn to adopt that into life life's adversity when you come across it and you end up just embracing it instead of looking as like a chore because Every, every great that's ever lived, and we all have different heroes, they've all come from a trajectory of pain, literally every one of them. So something there was a pivotal moment that just gave them the flick of the switch. And when you look at where they started to where they are now, it, it all came from some sort of pain that just turned into a blessing. And they, they put themselves into the right mindset. And then I bet you they're all incredibly grateful for it. And their, their love and appreciation is so high that it's given them such a high perspective that that's not the end of it. Like you end up going through adversity again. So it's, it's like a, it's a never ending cycle. But when you come across adversity, you, you understand that, Oh, I need to go through this because this helps me grow. There's an amazing book called do the work by Stephen Pressfield. And he talks about like when we reach a state of panic, even that has a negative connotation. Panic just means we're just reaching the point of threshold. Once we hit that breakthrough, we're at a whole nother level of growth. And that puts you back in the right mindset. Like it feels like it's very cyclical of what we're doing when we go through, we ebb and flow. You can't be entirely happy forever, but it comes and goes and you end up just riding the waves of emotion and you don't try and suppress anything. The moment you start suppressing, then you start bottling up and you're not even a human being because you're not even going through every emotion. So it's okay if you need to cry. Like now and then I'll cry. If I've got any mates that need to cry, use my shoulder to cry on, right? So you end up just embracing the adversity once you've hit your own kind of, and you start to understand that how good it is for you. Yeah. I think expression definitely helps in dealing with pain and problems. And I do feel that, uh, especially in the Western world, I think we're becoming more and more addicted to problem avoidance. Uh, we're becoming more addicted to comfort and instant gratification. And in the process, mm -hmm. what's happening is we're becoming lazier. We're definitely becoming less resilient, less adaptable. And, what people don't realize is that the way you grow is through experiencing the terror, the mental anguish, sometimes the pain, the physical pain. Yeah. So, and when people avoid that, they avoid the growth. And so I think what you're doing is, uh, you know, I see what you're doing as actually rectifying the cause because there's so many symptom-based solutions out there uh, that would encourage, you know, like superficial solutions, like, you know, you go out camping one night or, you know, you, but I don't think those things really help because at the end of the day, you go back to your real life and life is not going to take it easy on you. So all yeah. you can do is you've got to build yourself up. 
And um, so, um, so you've obviously applied all of this stuff and you mentioned the fact that pushing you, that you started by, you know, making, having some goals around your physical fitness and pushing your body. And yeah, this is an area that I just want to delve into a little bit deeper because I, mm-hmm. if I go into my Instagram account, all I see is images of uh, men and women spending a lot of time at the gym and taking lots of selfies. Um, are these people, because they have the discipline to look after their bodies, and I, my observation typically is that they, you know, in many cases, are overcompensating for areas that they're neglecting in like their finances, their mental abilities, so on and so forth. But would you say that a lot of these people that are spending time at the gym and very disciplined when it comes to looking after their health and their body, mm. are they necessarily resilient? Uh, for me, I think like every social channel is different, right? Like I, I've, I understand that Instagram is a little more positive and sometimes like the thing with Instagram, if we're going to sound top of Instagram, it's, it's a lot of highlight really. And it's going, this is what I'm good for. And, but it's not showing the rawness of it. Right. Like I want to see, like I should be recording this. There are days I'm literally ripping my hair out and I feel like we should be showing more of that because then it's, it's expressing more humility. I feel, um, to you could be a badass in life, but as long as you're expressing a lot of humility, then it ends up being a lot more attractive and it comes down to that human element where people go, Oh, okay. I can kind of relate to this because I'm going through that. And maybe I'm on a similar journey, not the same journey, but, um, in regards to discipline, I feel like now not everyone is like this. I know people that are very well chiseled abs, but their minds are like obese because they're eating the right foods, but they're not, um, taking in the right sources of media, like they're not, they're not hanging around the right people, not sources. So you are what you consume. Um, but sometimes the people that are doing that now, not everyone, I'm not, um, they might be doing it because they, they're doing it for the external validation, right? They're doing it because I need the likes and you know what, like I understand, like sometimes you want followers because you can become, you can become an influencer and then you can get the sponsors and that, but you got to make sure there's an intrinsic motivation behind what you're doing too, that, if you can, if it, if it's inspiring, okay, but you also got to do it that it's good for the human psyche because at the end of the day, you can't compare to anyone else um, because it's like a cancer. The moment you start comparing, it's like a cancer. The moment you start expecting, it's like a cancer. So for me, it's like taking everything like a grain of salt so you're not attaching yourself. And it's more of a detachment, like that Buddhist practice. So um, going back to what you're saying, it, it's it's hard to tell, like, because not everyone is the same, right? There's like 7.6 billion people. Not everyone thinks or is the same or f- physiologically the same. But I feel there is a bit of a trend where people are just doing it for the external validation. Hmm. But at the same time, um, it is good to see that people are getting fit at the same time. Like I'm trying to look at it from different perspectives where, you know, if, if it can inspire, if, if someone is like, I have friends that are incredibly fit and in the fitness world and they inspire me to do like, taking up so i'm not getting complacent with training to do other things but um yeah it's it's a very nuanced topic let's just say yeah. that yeah no i agree with and and look the point that i was trying to make was it, it's okay i think we all i i'm a big advocate for people standing out and building their personal brands and that requires you to go out there and show parts of you and i do that as well but i think where it can go wrong is where people lack the character and the substance and it's all um, superficial on the outside and what i was trying to find was the link between taking care of yourself physically because i i could i i guess i know people that may not be as resilient when it comes to 
their health and their fitness, but mm. they're brilliant. They're brilliant problem solvers. I actually work with a person like that. And uh, just the, the bounce back factor is, it, it just amazes me. Uh, the, the drive, the, the ability to follow through, because I would imagine that all of those are ingredients of resilience, the stuff that you talk about. But um, uh, you have, you've obviously taken this topic resilience and you've seen that there's a need, which there no doubt is, I think it needs to be taught to children in schools as well. Mm-hmm. What, so did you form a framework around this and, and, and is that how you facilitate the training? Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny you say that because when I was doing, um, it got to a point where a lot of strangers were going to me, you should be speaking, you should be writing. And this is like stranger feedback. Like if it's stranger feedback, these might be customers one day. Right. And I thought by the 10th, 11th, 12th time, I thought I'm going to take this seriously. So I took up, I got a speaker coach and I kind of was public speaking, but I, I was very passionate. I was speaking from the heart and I still do, but I didn't really have a structure around what I was speaking about. So the speaker coach said, what is the gift you want to give? And I said, practical resilience, like tools that you can take away today to make you mentally stronger. Like literally what you can, something that it does seem almost tangible. So from there, I kind of built, I had these, these three pillars, something magic and odd numbers. That way I can build a Venn diagram. That way I have something visual. Some people respond better to things visually. And then some, people respond better uh, through audio. And then for me, it was saying, these are the very strong core pillars. And then obviously with Venn diagrams, things overlap and there's a convergence. So I could see what like there's discipline and there's obsession and there's perspective as well. And when you truly understand that mind, that, that framework, it, it, it's a massive paradigm shift. So that's how I like, I came up with the framework and then I kind of, passed it over to a few people that are like experts in the field, like some psychologists, like the, with the recent book I wrote, um, I got the help with a doctorate of psychology and she's also like an ultra runner and she's been studying um, psychology for the last 15 years. She's got a doctorate. She knows her stuff. So I had her to help me to make sure, does this make sense to you? Cause it makes a lot of sense to me. And I've, I've got a lot of case studies and she goes, yeah, absolutely. And it was a matter of like passing to a few other people just to get that, um, I guess so I can kind of validate that the framework does have a lot of potential. And from there, I thought, I believe in this stuff so much, Ron. Like, I guess if you don't have any self-belief, then no one else will believe in it. But for me, it's like, I believe in this stuff so much that um, I'll live and breathe this stuff that I go, okay, now I know it works. Now I got to see who else I can get on board with the vision. So that's when I like, I started a bit of a campaign and, everyone that I would get to do the video, also case studies, how they use the framework to overcome their adversities and how grateful they are to go through it because now it becomes relative. Like when you talk about, especially on like some sort of social medias, especially Facebook, you'll see people complaining, but they don't tell you how they overcame it. Right. So if they, like, especially on social media, people don't care about your problems. People care about how you went about your problems. So if someone said, for example, Oh, stuff it. I was stuck in traffic for four hours today. No one's really going to care. But if someone said I was stuck in traffic for four hours today, however, I realized I listened to about three or four podcasts. I listened to a half an audio book and I learned so much and I realized that I can learn on the commute. I'm actually, that's kind of awesome because I don't have any other time because of kids, whatever. Um, that's pretty awesome. And people saw that, that is actually kind of valuable because some people, some people still don't even realize that you can learn on the commute. That's why like audio books are amazing. Um, mm-hmm. 
So hey. that was something very practical there. And in a way, that's what you've done. You've taken your experiences, um, not the not so good experiences, and you've combined that with your passion. And now here you are um, using it to improve lives. And, um, you know, and the other thing that I like about you, which is why you're on the podcast, is that not only are you a practitioner, everything you talk about, you practice, you actually get out there and quite evident. If anyone's been following Tov, they'll see that he is walking his talk. He's out there taking action. So inspiring people through his own example. But you're also a brilliant teacher and your ability to articulate this and why it's needed and also going through your own personal story and putting it all together in a framework that can help people is obviously a very respectable and something I personally felt that this is something that men need to hear. I do think that there may be some, possibly some men that may listen to this and go, well, that's, you know, it's easy for you, Tof. I mean, you're a fit guy and, you know, you've done all this training, but you know, some people may just find that that your example of fitness and resilience is so far from where they're at in their lives. And I just want you to just shed some light on if they do perceive you to be so advanced now because of all the training that you've done, you know, you, you're running up and down mountains and you, you're doing all these crazy things, which are, but for some people, they may be a bit extreme. And if people don't consider themselves to be at that point where they have the ability to do that. Is there any advice that you can give them to start building on that mental resilience that you talk about? Yeah, I think people need to realize that we're all in our own, we're all running our own race, right? Like I can't even compare myself to any other athlete or runner or author or speaker because the, the circumstances were different from the start, meaning they're going to be different at the end and the trajectories are going to be different at the end. But I've learned that it's about, taking small steps right you got to build the crescendo and you want to start so small that the fear is bearable is bearable and you don't traumatize yourself so i like how i started it, it, it's taken me a while to get to me where i am but i i just you could you can make any decision in life as long as you're committed like tony robbins said that and for me it was it, it might have been like someone who's relatively extroverted when i was going through a lot of um I was going through a lot of social anxiety and a lot of depression at the same time. Even just leaving the house was, was a big win for me. And then I'll be like, I, I might just do around the block and then I might just do a kilometer and I would just slowly work it up. And then every, every so often I would, my purpose would change slightly because you need to recalibrate and reevaluate what your values are. And I felt at first it was, I need to get my health back in track. Then it was, I really feel like I can use this towards, I can raise this towards charity to give back because there is a, there is a magic in gratitude. There is a power in giving back. Um, but it has to be like a, like an altruistic kind of point of view where you don't expect anything in return and naturally things will come back. So for me, like if anyone is listening, it's, it is about going, all right, it's me versus me. That's the mentality you got to go in because you can't control anyone else. You can only control yourself. Like when you're born to when you're dead, you only, it's only you throughout that whole entire journey. Um, sometimes we forget that we're breathing because we will get to the end of our day and we're like, oh, I can't even, I'm, I feel so lethargic because we held it in our breath all day. And it, it is, it's, for me, it's just focusing. I, I got it. It's, it's just me versus me at the end of the day. And I'm trying to be the best version of myself. And, you know, if it means a 5K is going to be my benchmark and it's going to be my best race so far, then I will train for that. And then as we get on it, you, when you, 
when you start to rewire neural pathways that you start to ingrain new habits, things don't feel like work as much because it's part of a routine. And then this is the point where you can get insatiably curious. That's why I don't mind signing up for these big races because I know how important it is for the human psyche for me. And if there is something, a way that I can inspire someone to get off the couch or do something like that, then I, that's, that's, that's awesome as well. So, yeah. So amazing wisdom there. A um, few things that you've just mentioned there. I'm just going to quickly summarize. So number one is don't compare yourself. You mentioned this twice now, and we mm-hmm. do, I think inadvertently all human beings do that. And I think it does take away a lot of that grit factor from us because as you said, everyone's on a different trajectory. Everyone's had a different background. Everyone's had a different start. So you can't really compare yourself with anyone else. Correct. And, and your, your, your humble acknowledgement that you may be advanced in some areas, but no one's advanced in all areas. Everyone's, Got areas that, that they need to develop. So that's the first thing. The second thing you said was just take some small steps. Like just don't traumatize yourself. Just take the, the smallest step that you can because ultimately it's about building that habit. Uh, and that's more important than just going all out. And I think that's what a lot of the times people feel the pressure that, oh, they've got to be the tough Evans to have mental resilience. They don't. They can just start really small. And I, and I would say to people that are listening that, you know, as Tof has just mentioned, he, he started small as well. And then you just build that up. And look, Tof is actually quite young. And one of the things that intrigues me about Tof is how young he is. And, you know, for me, the, the reason why that's such an, so important is because it shows that it's achievable. So, you know, Tof has been able to achieve what he's done in a short space of time with a lot of work. When, when I say short space of time, certainly it hasn't taken him 20, 30 years. Um, so it is possible to do that. And the third thing that you talked about is the importance of gratitude and giving, but giving with the right intent. Yeah. Um, so not to serve yourself and... So I think all of those those three points in itself, and look, those points sound very simple. And some you may have, if you're listening to this, you may have heard those those things before. But just because you've heard them doesn't mean that uh, you've actually got them and you've embodied them. So it's really about embodying those three fundamentals. So there's three things that you can take away. Those three things are brilliant and a great great start to start. You know, get yourself on that resilience journey. If they want to, if people want to go on the next level, Tof, if they want to connect with you, they want to find out more about your programs or your workshops, or they want to buy your book, how can they do that? Uh, yeah, sure, dude. So the easiest way is to go on my site, tof-evans.com, so T-O-F-E hyphen E-V-A-N-S.com, and it's got, it's got everything from the book to um, a program to all my social handles to the blog to if they want to reach out to me. Um, that's probably the easiest way. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for setting such a great example for um, men and women and um, continuing on, on your journey and sharing that journey because I think it gives us glimpses into who you are and what you're doing and gets, you know, makes us feel like we, it's something that we can accomplish as well. So thank you so much. I'm um, obviously in very, I have a lot of admiration for the work that you're doing, a lot of respect for what you're doing. And you know, I, I just I can't even imagine where you're going to be in the next 10 years. So um, congratulations, Tof. Dude, thank you so much. Like, I, I first of all, I, I want to acknowledge you for everything you do, and thank you for inviting me on the podcast and um, having an awesome power chat. I appreciate the uh, the contribution to the podcast. Thanks, Tof. Welcome, brother.